0: Hey everybody. it's Dr. Matt Smith, Director of Student Life and Housing at CIA, and I want to welcome you all to the first official full parent pod podcast. Uh, my team and I were thinking that um, that since typically we receive a ton of emails since it's in the middle of summer, and you all have lots of questions, both um, both you and your students have lots of questions about different things like housing and meal plans and orientation. And so we felt like it would be good just to go through some of those typical things that we get asked on a daily basis. With me, as usual, is my sidekick Ashley. Hey, everyone! And our special guest today is our residence life coordinator, Brittany Koy Schmidt, who lives on campus in the residence in one of our residence halls um, and provides tons of support uh, to your students. So, Brittany, welcome to the Parent Podcast, and tell our listeners. A little bit about yourself and what you do on campus.
1: Thanks, Matt. So as as you said, I am the residence life coordinator. I do live in on campus, but I also work on campus too. Um, right in the residence hall, my office is located right there for our students. I help our resident assistant staff with lots of programming, we assist with lockouts, um, and we're really on the floor as needed for any of the students who have concerns, questions, or just want to get involved.
0: It's, and that's a really good point. And so to start things off, you know, we're going to be talking about some of those uh, those ways that students do that. And so um, I, I think when we think about parents and all the questions that we get from parents, I think the top question from them is that they want to know whether or not their student is going to be OK. And I can tell you, like, we've been in this, I've been in this business a long time, and certainly you all have worked with students for many years. And so, one is that, yes, your student is going to be fine. And especially at CIA, you know, being a small school, being a close knit community, you know, we have the opportunity to kind of get our hands around and our arms around students um, and make sure that, um, you know, that, like Brittany has pointed out, like, we're trying to figure out how to best work with them and help them to be successful. There's a lot of other things that we do on campus that will uh, that will assist in that, and we'll get to that as we as we get into the podcast, of course. Um, but from the parent side, I think that it's important to talk a little bit about what you all can expect from your students once you or once they get to campus. And so, I've come up with a couple of tips. Uh, for you all to whether you want to whether you want to take them or not is totally up to you. However um, You know as a parent of a college student and certainly somebody who's been uh, In higher education for a while I can I can tell you that these these uh, tips are, are pretty good ones to follow Sometimes they're hard to follow, but they're good the good tips to, to follow nonetheless So the first one I would say is um, that you need to utilize this summer The summer is really important. I mean, you know, you've prepared your student since they were born, right? Like you've worked with them, you've, you know, made them into the great kids that they are, uh, the great young adults that they are. Um, But it's important to use this summer to talk about expectations, Um, you know, things like how often are you gonna talk? You know, and when is that gonna be? Like For me, one of the things that we talked about, my, my wife and I talked about with our son, is that, you know, every Sunday night, you know, text is good throughout the week, but every Sunday night, we want to make sure you put some time aside for us so that way we can FaceTime with you, one, so I can see your face, and uh, and that was a parent thing, um, but certainly just kind of hear about your week, um, but also, you know, like, having it be that one time a week to give him space to do the things that he needs to get done, and I think that was really, that was a good um, move on our part because I think, uh, you know, Isaac, who's uh, my son, Isaac appreciated that part but also liked the fact that he could call us on sunday night and we would be there too um and that it was a good common time for us to to make contact the second thing i would talk about is um is you know preferences about things like hair color tattoos uh and those kinds of things you know it's, you know, doesn't matter, you know, like to us, like tattoos are cool, like hair color, you know, having different color hair, like that's not a problem either. But if you have specific expectations about that, I think it's important to, um, to talk, with your, uh, talk with your student now before they get to campus.
1: Yeah, Matt, I think you make a great point there, too, because that first year, especially that first semester, our students are presented with lots of choices, uh, whether they want to pick where they want to go out to lunch, or what color their hair is going to be, what clothes they're going to wear, um, and that's definitely an opportunity that is very freeing for our students, um, and that is you know important for them to take on, but also good to have you know some guidance from home and some some of that parent input.
0: Yeah, I mean, like one of the great stories I talk I talk about this uh, with uh, this point with is that. Um... One year we had a young woman move in uh, to the residence hall, and I kid you not, she probably had about ten uh, Rubbermaid tubs you could see through them, and I felt like each tub had a different pastel color. And so she, you know, was, you know, had all these like sweater sets, and you know, and it was all very bright and colorful clothing. And by I think it was like October, you know, we we the staff and I went out to lunch, and we walked into this uh, diner. And I almost didn't recognize her because she was um, when she moved in, she was blonde and she dyed her hair jet black. She was wearing like, like I said, when she moved in, she was wearing a lot of colorful clothing and pastels. And when I saw her, she was wearing like an ACDC t-shirt and black jeans and she had heavy makeup. And so uh, it was an opportunity, I think, for her to experiment with who she was, was trying to become, you know, who she was as a person. And so, um, you know, it was cool, like, you know, everything was fine with that. You know, I thought that was, you know, I knew that that's what that was about. Um, And that's not necessarily how she stayed, but that was a phase that she went through. And I think we can all, you know, imagine, and remember some of those phases that we went through. Um, But, you know, I think it's important, like you said, it's important for parents to sit down and talk with their kids about that stuff before they get to campus. The next thing I would say is to talk about relationships. You know, and understand that sometimes um, college relationships um, with significant others may be different than high school relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, and so um, if you have expectations about uh, intimacy, or you want to have a conversation about those kinds of things, like make sure that you have that conversation, right? Whether that's how to protect your, themselves um, you know they're choosing to have sex uh, while you know while they're here or what have you i think it's important to have those kind of conversations before they get to campus so that way you can always rem, uh, kind of keep an open dialogue about that and if that's not your thing then you know i understand that too but you know just have some, having somebody there for your student to trust with that kind of information i think is important um, the next thing is to be flexible you know, not every, not all Sundays were FaceTime Sundays. I'm gonna let you know, right, that, I mean, I think it was important um, for us to understand that, you know, he might have days where he's, you know, studying or doing something fun with his friends where that, that Sunday meeting might have, you know, one week had to be pushed to something else. And so I think it's important uh, as a parent to kind of be flexible uh, with that.
1: Yeah, and Matt, to add on to that, I would also say that, you know, that first semester for that first year, Uh, These are a lot of firsts for your students as well. Um, So they may not know how stressful or time-consuming midterms or finals may be, or they might not have remembered that there was a movie night that Sunday night that they really wanted to go to, uh, that they were invited to last minute. So things may pop up, um, plans may change, but know that, again, that's a lot of new things for your students experiencing as well. Um, So a lot of that, you know, just kind of be flexible as they are as well because it's a new experience and routine comes with time.
0: Yeah, and I think it's okay to ask questions you know, as a parent um, whether or not you get the answer that you want or are looking for or answer period I think that's another talk show but uh, another podcast but um, but I think it's important you know I think it's okay to ask questions uh, for your students the next thing I would say is um, is to trust them right you've raised them uh, you are you know bringing them here maybe you're dropping them off on campus or maybe they're driving to to and fro you know from home. But you're entrusting that they, they're they're stewards of their own education, and so it's important to keep that uh, that trust with them. And I would say, likewise, you have to give them the ability to either make decisions or to solve problems. So, uh, again, personal stories, but I think one of the looking back on it at the time, it was a, it was tough. But looking back on it now, you know, one of the one of the great things that my mom did for me when I was in college, when I was a college freshman, was I had gotten something in the mail from financial aid at the school I went to and while I was on campus, and they wanted me to come in. I think it was like I need to sign a promissory note or something, right? But I didn't understand what that was. And so I called my mom and was like, hey, mom, like this is, I got this in the mail. I don't know what this is. And I read it to her, and she was like, okay, well, then you need to call financial aid. And I was like, well, can you call them for me? And she was like, oh, I didn't know that I was going to school at, you know, and I was like, well, you're not. She's like, exactly. Now go call financial aid. And if you have, if you still don't understand, then call me and then we can work through it. But you need to be the one to make the phone call. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, that's a really, a lot of parents, that's a, um, it's really hard for us to do, but I think it's really important that we do it. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, no, and I, I think whether it's, you know, financial aid or paperwork or learning how to do laundry for the first time. Um, I can be maybe hopefully not the first one to let you know that the Tide Pod doesn't go in the fabric softener slot. Um, but that's one of the things that, you know, your students will learn through trial and error. But it helps if you, um, you know, kind of set the, the, the tone for them and help them know that those are things that they will have to take on. Uh, but that the resources are there for them if they get stuck or need help along the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like a uh, there's nothing like a learning experience that turns all of your whites pink. You know, I think that's a that's a definitely a no no, and you know, it's kind of a um, a, a meme of uh, of that. But um, but that's you know, I think those are those learning experiences that are, are really important. And, and with them, know that they're going to make mistakes. You know, they're going to call you and, you know, tell you that they had a bad crit. You know, that doesn't mean that you need to call their professor, right? In fact, you should not call their professor. It just means that they're communicating well with you. They're just trying to say, hey, listen, I just need somebody on the other end to listen when I'm having a tough time. Or, you know, maybe they they were somebody who chose to drink underage and got written up by the RA and now they have to come see me about that mistake. Um, it's a mistake that they need to own up to. It's a mistake that they have to go through as a young adult. And they'll come out on the other side typically better for it. Um, And they'll understand a little bit more about having to deal, or having to live with the consequences for, you know, your actions. And so I think my other other piece of advice is to uh, know that they're going to make mistakes and that it's okay. Um, The the next thing is about... um, roommate issues. And so for fo- for students who are on campus, one of the things we we typically, well, we don't typically see it, but we will see it from time to time is that parents will call uh, my office uh, or Brittany's office for um, for help in solving students' roommate problems. And what I can tell you is that uh, there is a specific process and uh, again, once we get to, Um, The housing piece, you know, Brittany will explain a little bit more about that. But I would advise you to not do that. Um, Just like my mom wanted me to call financial aid, have your student call, you know, the the or talk to the RA or to talk to Brittany or the hall director if they're living uptown. The hall director in uptown Um, have them talk to those people first and work to solve the issue. Because you got to remember like these are people who've never lived together right these are you know that while we will do our best to make roommate pairs and we'll get into that in a second too that that there'll be disagreements and that's okay it's a part of you know they you disagreed with them they disagree with you and you you helped raise them right so just imagine for somebody who doesn't have really any emotional uh investment in in your in your student and working through that issue. It's going to sometimes be easy, and then sometimes it's going to be a little harder, but just know that we will work with your student to try to iron those problems out.
1: And we understand, you know, at times parents will call because, you know, maybe their student's nervous or they don't want to come forward. Uh, But know that, that at the end of the day, if you call us, really our next step is to talk to your student and then to get everybody, you know, together to really figure out what we can do to resolve the, the situation. Uh, so if your student is struggling and that's something that they're working through, that fastest step really is for them to reach out to myself or their RA, you know, anybody living in the residence hall who's able to help them move along with that process.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and these next couple pieces of advice, and tips, I guess, have to do with calling the school, Right. One of the podcasts that we'll have here in the next uh, couple weeks is about FERPA, and we'll get into more about that. But it really is about what we can and can't talk with you about. And so the next part of this is like calling professors uh, when your student gets a bad crit or a bad grade. You know, um, it's not your. You know, what I would advise you to do is work through your student, Uh, much like the roommate mediation piece or the roommate issue piece. Work with your student and and advocate for them direct, you know, like with them directly to help advocate for themselves. Um, Because I think all of our faculty are committed, just as much as the staff is committed, all of our faculty are committed to helping with those learning experiences for students. And so I think it's really important for the student to be meeting with the professor and figuring out what they did wrong or what they could do better um, rather than mom and dad calling the professor because the professor won't call you back. So I think you just need to know that it's just a different type of relationship than you had in high school, and so it's just important to kind of be, um, be aware of that, you know, and be open about that. The last part um, is more about your students' phone calls. Like I said before, um, you know, those phone calls um, may have to be flexible. You know, there might be some flex in there, but you also need to know that there will be times where those phone, like that phone. Those phone calls might be really consistent right at the beginning of fall semester. Um, but as you get through fall semester, the amount of phone calls that you get, or maybe phone calls that are answered or responded or called back to, might become less. And so, just as Brittany's pointed out, it's a, that in most cases it's okay because they're doing other things on campus. In a lot of ways, that's it, it means that things are going okay. Right. I mean, I think that's kind of how we interpret it and how I've interpreted it. Um, but unless you are worried, if there's a reason why you should be worried, not that they haven't called you back in a couple hours, but like, I haven't talked to them all week and I've called all week or I've called in a couple of days and no one, you know, I haven't gotten, they haven't gotten back to me. You know, that's something I think then you should call, you know, uh, our office or the hall director about, um, just to kind of, you know, say, hey, could you go check and make sure that they're okay or what have you. But but just know that um, and we will more than happy go down and say, hey, listen, you need to call your mom or dad because they're worried about you because you haven't called them back. Um, we're happy to do that. But you need to know when that when that threshold is and when it isn't. If it's something like, well, they were supposed to call me at eight and it's eight fifteen or eight thirty or even nine o'clock. Just know that sometimes they're going to get really busy, and that doesn't mean that they've forgotten about you. It doesn't mean they love you any less. It just means that they're really, really busy. So unless there's some really big reason for you to, you know, wanting to call, um, you know, give it some time and uh, and and call us if you, if it, if you feel like there's really an issue um, happening. Okay. So we're going to move on um, from just those tips. In, uh, into some more specific things about housing and meal plan and orientation and so for housing um, you know one of our summer uh, uh, you know the things we do in the summer that we really kind of love uh, ha- within our office is matching roommates and so Brittany why don't you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about how that happens and uh, and, and what we do when we match roommates
1: Absolutely. So, for roommate matching, um, CIA is actually pretty unique in that we match roommates by hand. Um, we don't put everybody into a system and hit the start button. We look at their roommate matching forms, we look at their mutual interests. Um, you know, we usually start with whether you're a smoker or a non smoker. Um, so that, you know, if, you, if your student doesn't smoke and they don't want to live with someone who smokes, you know, that's usually a deal breaker. Um, so we start with those larger issues first, but then we still look at, you know, do you want it to be completely quiet when you sleep? Or do you want the noise on or the TV playing when you work? And um, we really do take the better part of the day to make sure that the students that you are with, that your, room, that your student is rooming with, are comfortable, and that they're going to enjoy their experience to whatever extent possible.
0: Yeah, you know, it's always um, an amazing thing because, you know, students will say, well, how did we get matched up? Uh, Either as like, you did an amazing job, like we love each other, or like, how did you match us up? Because were you blind when you did this? For the most part, though, we have the latter. Like, it, it, you know, we do pretty well at at matching um, folks up. We often refer to it as making trying to make best friends, you know, yeah. and, uh, and it's pretty fun to, it's pretty fun to do because it also helps us get to know your students better, you know, because we can look at some of the things they preference, um, you know, and some of the quirky things or some of the hilarious things that they've said that they um, pre- preference or even leave as comments. I think those things are pretty hilarious uh, to read as well, but we match them up. They're put into rooms pretty much randomly, really, um, and um, so from that process, because we just finished that process, uh, from that process, what happens then? Like, when should, when do students typically hear about their uh, who their roommates are and their assignments?
1: Right. So, you know, we want to give it a little longer. Um, Like you said, we did just finish matching, but we like to give that a few days just to make sure that we're confident with our choices, that there aren't any changes. And then, um, you know, in the next few weeks, typically in the middle of July, we'll send out your student's roommates um, to your student. They should be receiving that in the mail Uh, and that's going to include their name and then the contact information so that, Hopefully your student gets the ball rolling on, you know, what should I be bringing or what are you bringing? And, you know, at least getting to know their their future roommates' names.
0: Yeah, and and the what to bring and what not to bring is a good thing to to talk to bring up um, because I think we get a lot of questions about, can I bring this or can I bring that? So I wanna just talk a little bit about what students can and can't bring because um, there is a full list on the CIA website under, res- under the resources tab for housing that goes through that pretty extensively but um, but what's not typically on there are um, some small kitchen appliances uh, you know like rice cookers or things like that we've gotten questions about hot instapots and uh, air fryers and air fryers and all kinds of things right so this is what I'll say this is my official line on that I mean because typically we've said, As long as it has an automatic shutoff uh, or it doesn't have an open coil um, we've allowed it and that's typically the baseline for most of the decisions regarding some of those small kitchen appliances however one of the things that I always caution students about is that while having a crock pot on campus or having this this appliance on campus sounds like a really great idea think about one, you have limited space. So think about, am I really going to use that? And how often am I going to, you know, make a make soup in the crock pot or make a roast in the crock pot or whatever you're planning to make in the crock pot, right? Like how often am I planning on using it? Because what we find is that a lot of students were like, oh yeah, I want the rice cooker. And the rice cooker had dust on it at the end of the school year because they never used it, but they just brought it because they, they felt compelled to have it. Um, and so this is not to dissuade people from bringing some of those things. It is just an opportunity to have a conversation about whether or not they should bring it because are they going to use it? And so, um, so as far as that's concerned, that's kind of the first thing that I would have uh, students uh, think about when it comes to those small kitchen appliances. The next thing has to do with uh, additional furniture, and CIA provides. I, in my staff and I, have done a, a good job at trying to furnish the suites and the apartments uh, with furniture that will um, that will be comfortable and will be good for students to have and be functional. So, you do not need to bring a couch. Right? You don't need to bring a, uh, an upholstered chair uh, or anything like that. The reason for that is that one, we want to make sure that we're using um, furniture that is the right, made of the right material, uh, but also we want to minimize risk of uh, bringing anything onto campus like bed bugs, I feel like all of us should knock on wood right now. but. You know, because I always talk about how students see that cool old vintage couch sitting on somebody's tree lawn and they're like, oh, that would be so awesome to be in in my room. Well, there's a reason why that couch is on the tree lawn in the first place. It might be broke down, but like there's a reason why that's there. And so we tried to, we we frown upon that. And so we don't want um, students to be bringing any sort of upholstered furniture uh, to campus. Um, If it's, you know, if if they, you know, we, they prefer like a you know a wooden chair or something like that like if there's something that they, specifically that they want to bring from home like been kind of open to that but for the amount of furniture that's in the uh in the suites or in the apartments already i think what's in there will suffice and so i would i would caution against bringing any additional furniture
1: and i'll add on to that too in addition to the um to the suites or the apartments. Our lounges are also very well furnished. There's plenty of couches and um, coffee tables and little side stools that our students spend the majority of their free time in because we have the TV, cable TV and all that out there. Um, So it really is a comfortable living space as is. And we have seen students who've, like Matt has said, brought those items in It got really cluttered. And at the end of the day, You just can't have them anyway. So we do advise if you can save $150 or so, this would be the opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing I would say about lofting, you know, there's always this question about, should I build a loft or should I build a loft? What is a loft? And so basically what a loft is, is uh, a structure that students will build on their own, um, freestanding, that will transform the bed that we give you into just a top bunk that's open underneath so like a a bunk bed with no bottom bunk essentially now it needs to be braced um correctly it does you can't put any holes in any of our furniture it has to be freestanding and um, i think it can't be more than eight feet high or something like that so um so if students choose to do that, you're more than welcome to. However, what I would say is that, unlike other campuses where you only have one space, the suites, whether it's in Uptown or in, uh, Euclid 117, the spaces are, are huge compared to other schools, I think. And so there's lots of ability to have storage spaces. Um, there's a huge storage closet in, uh, in, in Uptown. It's in the bathroom. Uh, in 117, there's closets, um, you know, throughout the the apartment. So you have the ability to store things. The beds raise uh, to a high enough uh, height where you can store things under the bed if you want. Um, you have closets in 117, and so you have the ability to store some things as you would like. And so I would I would hold off on the loft if you if you are thinking about that at least until you've lived here for a little bit right i mean if you lived in uptown and you're like you know what we would benefit from a loft then then make that decision to then you know build it and we can give you some more specifications on that but i think right off the bat there really isn't a good need to to build a loft right away but just know that you have the ability to build it but it does, uh, it does come with some uh, specifications that need to happen, and, um, and certainly that comes from a safety perspective. Absolutely. All right. So Brittany, talk to us a little bit about when move-in is.
1: Yeah, so move-in is coming up quick. It's on August 21st, and that is an all-day adventure. We will be here um, pretty much all day ready to help move your students in as they schedule a time. Um, in increments that way you don't all come to us at once, but we're able to help each of you individually
0: Yeah, so so for students you you can pick your time So for parents and students when you're thinking about travel arrangements and what have you you can select the time that best uh, Fits your needs. So if you're uh, traveling by car to campus, you know You might not want the 830 shift, you know, and the 830 slot like you might want a slot in the afternoon and so it's you know so it's important once we open that we typically will open that uh, mid to late july we'll send out an announcement through the start page um, that uh, how the you your uh, your uh, move-in time uh, you can select that and sign up for that and then it's just first come first serve and you just select your time and so uh, how that how that then works is you typically will start in our one of our parking lots We'll have people there to kind of line you up, put, you know, uh, advise you where to go uh, next. Our orientation staff will help unload your car, help you uh, into these giant orange bins. Um, they'll help you load it into the elevator, take it up to your uh, your student's room. Uh, they'll help you unload it, and then you all you need to do is help your student put things away. Um, and there may be a a Walmart or a Target run at some point in that day, but. But that's, um, but that's it. So it, it, is, a, it is a pretty amazing uh, thing to be a part of. It's pretty amazing to watch happen.
1: So. Yeah, definitely a lot of high energy, a lot of enthusiasm. Um, and we are, you know, all throughout campus and on the floors ready to help with anything that comes, you know, up or on your way or any questions, anything um, specific to that move in or the orientation that will follow.
0: And, and then for parents, I think uh, you need to know, it's important to know, while there's no specific orientation for parents, and you know, that's part of what we're trying to do here with, uh, with the parent pod, and there'll be some monthly newsletters that we'll send out to, uh, to parents. Um, but you know, what we do know is that we want you to be able to meet some of the folks here on campus and just kind of see them. And more importantly, it's gonna be hot. It's the end of August, and your, your student is more than equipped to un- unlo- unload their uh, you know their clothes and what have you in the room. So during the day, if you are a morning move in, uh, the middle of the, uh, the morning, we'll have kind of a, a break for parents and uh, we'll provide some refreshments then. And then for the afternoon parents, in the middle of the afternoon, we'll provide some refreshments there. And so if you're a parent who's just gonna be here all day, you can come to both of them. I don't care, I think it'll be great. So um, hopefully there, uh, there'll be some questions that, that can be answered there we'll have some representatives from student affairs and the admissions office plans to be there so we'll have some folks uh, walking through that you'll get to meet and greet them while uh, sipping on some lemonade and cookies in the afternoon I think uh, orange juice and coffee and something else in the morning so so be just so you know and to be prepared for that that's kind of the, the the rule of the day all right um, so Brittany, once they move in, though, I mean, we know that students, uh, there is somewhat of a learning curve for a lot of students. So what are some of those things, those those typical issues that students, especially first year students uh, experience in the residence hall?
1: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you know, living with other people, having roommates um, and just being in an environment where, you know, they've gone from potentially being dependent upon parents to independent. That might mean making it to class on time. That might mean reminding themselves to get to bed a little earlier um, instead of staying out all night or you know having fun in the residence hall. Um, we do have a lot of fun events and things, but it definitely is a task for students to develop a routine and something that's gonna work for them throughout that year. And that does change every semester when their courses change. Um, but I would say as well, you know, the technical things like doing laundry or Um, figuring out how they're going to eat healthy or what a meal looks like if they're gonna skip breakfast or if dinner is kind of on the go and you know really just figuring out what that roommate dynamic looks like um, their level of involvement you know we we see students who start off a little shy and then they get involved and they're a completely different person so I think uh, it does depend on the student but throughout the year, it really is about developing that routine that works best for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, even even within that, you know, looking at the roommates, the roommate dynamic, Mm -hmm.
1: right?
0: How they work together as roommates. Who's, what's the routine for doing dishes? Uh, What's the routine for, you know, cleaning the kitchen or sweeping the floor or cleaning the bathroom?
1: Taking the trash out.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a huge, uh, I think that's a, it's, it's funny how, um, how taking the trash out becomes a huge uh, impediment to a lot of uh, happy uh, roommates um, because either people continuously skip or what have you. And so we try to work with uh, students on those things right off the bat. In fact, one of the first things that we do with them while they're on campus is we have them sit together and we t- have them talk about what are those priorities, right? What are, how, how do they want to operate within the suite um, to kind of keep harmony, right? And they agree to those, those rules in a, uh, in a roommate contract, right?
1: Yeah, and Matt, what you're touching on there, I would say one of, you know, any of the issues that our students might come across that first year, uh, most of which can be resolved with communication. I think whether it's taking out the trash or it's washing dishes or how loud you wanna be in the room before it's time to go to bed or you know if you're able to Skype your boyfriend every night versus getting some sleep. Um, a lot of that between roommates comes down to, are they communicating? Does it seem passive aggressive? To what degree? Um, so reminding your students, you know, it's okay to have those conversations. It's okay to reach out and to get those conversations started because a lot of times those issues stem from just never talking about it. Right. And just that inner frustration of feeling like you are the only one taking out the trash or, you know, you're the only one who wants to go to bed at nine 30 instead of, you know, one AM.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing to be, um, you know, one of the things we train our resident assistants. So those upper class students who live on campus or live in the residence hall and, you know, and help folks like Brittany, uh, in positions like Brittany, um, with with a lot of the student issues, you know, we train them in in doing mediations, and it's always amazing to me how those those mediations that are the toughest stem from folks not dealing with and not communicating with those issues that they've had for a long. They first move on to campus and they're filling out their roommate you know uh, the roommate agreements as an initial step, and it's not something that's written in stone. It's something that they can go back and revisit. Which I think is a nice—it's a nice document because as the as the year goes on, things change.
1: As they change, it changes. Yeah, right.
0: So yeah. I think that's it's a really good thing, and it's a good thing for parents to know that that's out there mm-hmm. as an opportunity or as an option. Um, so what happens when uh, when a student uh, when a couple of students a couple of roommates they are just they've let it fester they just don't get along what's the what's and they just want to move out. They, right. want to, they want to change rooms, they want to get new roommates, they don't want to live with each other. What's what's the next step in that, Brittany?
1: Yeah, so again, not that it happens all the time, but it, it can happen and we're prepared for that. Um, we do require all students to have a roommate mediation. Uh, we want to make sure that we are talking through those issues and that we're attempting to resolve them. That typically is held with the RA on their floor or the resident assistant. Um, usually that staff member knows that room the best and is able to work more personally with your students. Um, From there you know we really look at even if we can't resolve the issues and we can't live together, um, there's a good chance that your student will still see their roommates in the hallways, in the residence hall, in different classes, maybe they'll be in the same major. So if nothing else we try to get to an environment where they're able to be civil, respectful, and kind to one another, Um, but at the end of the day if it doesn't work out and they can't live together that's okay. Uh, we look at any open rooms that we have, and then we work with that student who is most interested in moving or maybe would be the best student of the three to move. Um, that's a case-by-case basis. But we, we work with that individual to see, okay, what are my options? What's open? And then what's going to be a better living environment for me? There are times where, you know, they, lo- they might look at the options and maybe they are in the best option depending on their preferences and their living environment. But typically, more often than not, we're able to identify a space that's different and more comfortable for them. And then because that's also a new environment with three other individuals who are already in a routine, already comfortable, we like to work with that student and have that potentially new RA, Work with the new group to come up with a new dynamic, a new roommate agreement. Really make sure that we aren't just giving them a new room and calling it a day.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I think that's uh, that's important. To, it's important for parents to understand how that process works because I think, in lieu of not knowing, I think we have parents who uh, are just trying to advocate for their students. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and so I think it's important to know how that how that works because they can. I think that helps ease parents' minds, lets them kind of take. Little more of a hands-off approach because they know that we have a process in place that's assisting with them to work out their issues
1: and with that i would say you know it's most important that your student if they if they are having living con- living concerns or roommate troubles that they're letting their ra or they're letting their hall director know because um, a lot of times we will have those concerns from parents and we'll hear from parents first but we'll never hear from the student so if you know if your student's bringing that to your attention just make sure that You know, the sooner we know, the less likely it is to get to that hostile, uncomfortable situation. And we can always just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be a mediation if they just want to talk through it and come up with solutions on their own.
0: Yeah. And I would even say that sometimes um, that it's a it's a parent's issue with what's going on in the room, not necessarily the student's issue. And so um, for us, our priority is to work with the student. And if the student doesn't see it as an issue and the student is okay and they're telling us, hey, it's not a problem, I'm okay with it, then just know that that's, that's the avenue that we're, going to, uh, that we're going to take with that. So as long as the student is okay, we're good. You know, we're going to be good with that, even though it might be in conflict with how the parent thinks things should go. So there's some cases where that happens, too. Of course. And, uh, you know, and so I think it's important for our parents to understand that as well. So just kind of moving on into um, meal plans, we get quite a few uh, questions about meal plans. Um, But just to kind of explain um, a little bit about meal plans, there are two different types of meal plans. The first type, which there are three um, in that group, are traditional meal plans where they are either five, seven or ten meals a week in the dining hall, they go to the dining hall, they take their ID card, uh, the dining hall will swipe it through, and they walk in and it's all they care to eat, right? There's different stations and what have you. Um, But the thing, they also come with a little bit of what we call case cash, which is a declining balance program. Um, You know, there's probably about 30 or so restaurants or you know, the bookstore takes it. There's two grocery stores that take it. Uh, But there's a bunch of restaurants that also take it. And students can use their case cash just as a declining balance situation there. So each of those three come with a little bit of case cash. But the thing that parents need to understand about that meal plan is that if a student doesn't use their meal swipe in a week, so it's like five meals a week, seven meals a week, or ten meals a week, if they don't use those swipes in a week, they disappear. They just get wasted. Our dining hall, where it's situated, it actually is... um, it is approximately the same distance from uh, our office the office that we're in doing this podcast to the dining hall as it is from our office to uptown residence hall however it's not necessarily in the footprint that students take every day um, and so just because they don't pass it it feels like it might as well be in you know antarctica right Definitely. so so our students typically don't like that um, they don't, They would prefer a diff, they prefer the, the other kind of meal plan. However, we do have students who, who are on a tradition we call that a traditional meal plan. We do have students who are on a traditional meal plan. The other type of uh, meal plan that we offer, and I would say 96 to 97% of our students who are on meal plan, um, they are on this type of meal plan is our case cash only meal plan. So it's our case cash starter plan. And what that is, is just one sum of case cash that students can use as that declining balance at anywhere that takes case cash. What parents need to know is that the dining hall does not take case cash. I know it sounds weird, but, um, but because the dining hall is run by a third-party group, they don't take case cash. They only take the meal swipes or actual U.S. currency. And so um you when making that decision which most of you have because for billing purposes and what have you you've made that decision but um, i've gotten a couple of questions over the past week or two about meal plans and uh and parents wanting to know what the differences are what the bonuses are plus and and pros and cons to them and so i would think you know and tell me you know um you know if you have an opinion on this I, i think Um, students like the case cash meal plan because it's uh, flexible you know they can eat when they want how they want Uh, they can go to a lot of number of places they can do the grocery shopping if they want they can do a lot of those things whereas students who are on the traditional meal plan they're not interested in all that stuff they like kind of the the, um, the organization of it like they know they have to have so many meals a week They're going to eat lunch or eat dinner, lunch and dinner every day, and they're going to just funnel in
1: through there. Yeah. So, Matt, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It really comes down to the type of student that you have um, and their personal preference. So case cash requires budgeting, right, because it's a lump sum like you talked about. And um, if I want to eat at Chipotle every day, I might not. Necessarily have the case cash funds through December, right? Yeah, I
0: mean you're gonna you're gonna be looking at adding more funds uh, Which you can do yes, But it's you're gonna an look option. to add more funds if you're doing that every
1: day yeah. So, you know if I'm good at budgeting and you know, maybe or maybe I'm not a breakfast person And I'm really only interested in a light lunch in Chipotle every other day uh, That case cash option is great It also allows me to buy groceries that I can you know have some home-cooked, you know something in my instapot uh, but If I'm interested in a meal, every meal, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and throughout the week, uh, that meal plan, that traditional meal plan might appeal to me more. I do know for our students, um, typically we talked about change and going through the semester. Um, They do pull a lot of late nights. There's some interesting hours. Maybe dinner was at 530 at the beginning of the year, and now dinner is at like 8 p.m., Um, The dining hall for, you know, that traditional meal plan doesn't necessarily serve those hot meals for dinner all night long. Um, So that's something to consider. You know, if your student is taking certain classes that might be during the dinner window, or they're not sure if they can get out to breakfast early enough, uh, majority of our students do take case cash because it is that flexible. Uh, But that being said, it depends. You know, if you are not so great at budgeting and you want a meal every day all the time, That traditional meal plan might be for you, but definitely something to talk with your students about and to consider. Pros and cons for either one.
0: Yeah, for sure. We want to know other questions that you have. So if you have additional questions, feel free to go to our website and email us at studentlife at cia.edu. And we'll be happy to answer those questions. But at this point, we are done with our first podcast. And I want to thank you all for listening in on The Parent Pod And we look to update this parent pod at least every two weeks. So, you know, be sure if you're interested in knowing more, if you're a student, uh, a parent of a CIA student, you know, hit the uh, subscribe button. And that way, when new parent pods drop, you'll get downloaded right away and they'll be sitting in your uh, on your phone or tablet or however you listen to your podcast. So with that, Dr. Matt Smith signing off.
1: And uh, Brittany is out. Thanks for having us. (laughs) See you later, everyone.